My name is Stephanie. I'm the lead pastor here at Mill City. I see a few people I haven't met yet, so welcome. I know it takes a lot of courage to come into a new community, so thank you for coming and joining us. Uh, and uh, we'd love to get you connected with what God's doing through Mill City. Um, I, I have some news that I think some of you know about already, and that is that there is a holiday tradition that many Americans have celebrated for many years that has pretty much come to an end. And I know this affects some of you. There are people everywhere mourning this uh, Thanksgiving weekend family tradition of doorbusters on Black Friday. It's over. Some of you know. Some of you are happy. Somebody's upset, Katie. You clapped, but someone's sad because there's no reason to get together with the cousins and wait in a long line at Best Buy for a bigger TV or something, right? There's no need to come together with your family to wait in line around Target for weird toys like Tickle Me Elmo and things. Do you remember that one? The people got in fistfights over that. Listen, Gen Z, people got in fistfights over that. Do you remember this? Somebody tell me I'm not. Katie, do you remember that? Katie, do you remember? You remember the fistfights about Tickle Me Elmo? That's why you were clapping. Okay, I see it. I see it. Full circle. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know that it's not news to anybody here that mainstream American culture, we have a bad reputation for our inability to wait well, right? And I felt like Black Friday was like our last day standing proving we could wait in lines for anything. But now instant gratification culture has taken over. The Target started selling the TVs on like November 10th, and they're still in the aisle. I can barely get my cart down there to get the other things I don't really need. I'm, I'm serious. Like, it has taken over. Black Friday was our last chance to say we had the ability to wait, and it's over. It's gone. We struggle to wait, right? And I think we need to let ourselves off the hook because the reality is, is that waiting is really hard, isn't it? Like, not just when you're waiting for a sale or waiting for, like, a show to drop or whatever. That's hard, too. But I'm talking about, like, the deep, meaningful waiting that we all experience in life. Waiting is really hard. And here we are stepping into a time when Jesus' followers together celebrate waiting. It's called Advent. That's what it is. It's about celebrating waiting. And so it's, it literally means arrival or the coming. And so we are in this part of the church calendar that is kind of counting down to Christmas, like awaiting Christmas. This is a season of waiting and watching to see the light of Jesus pierce the darkness that surrounds our lives so often. And so here's something I want to put out there just from the beginning, and I understand this might seem a little dark on our merry and bright season, but I just want you to go with me, okay? As Jesus followers, we are people who have a season of waiting, Advent, to remind us that we have lives of waiting. As Christians, as Jesus followers, we are people who have a season of Advent of waiting to remind us that we have lives of waiting. And I know that, I know that can sound a little bit dark, but let's be honest, right? In a very real sense... We live in Advent all the time. We are always waiting for something, aren't we? We're constantly waiting for little things too, but there's the deep things that we're waiting for too, the things that we're longing for in our lives. Like, like when you are waiting to find out if you got into that program you want to get into or got that job you're really hoping for, or you're waiting for wanting to start a family or to find that relationship that's the right fit for you, or you're waiting for just something to change because you just feel stuck and you just want something to change and maybe it's in a relationship that's, that's broken and you know there's reconciliation you're just waiting for. Or you're waiting for healing in that area of physical or emotional health and you're just longing for something to heal. You're just waiting for that circumstance to change. 
Advent is not for the faint of heart. In fact, I would say we lit this candle of hope. Hope is not for the faint of heart. Because hope and longing go hand in hand. You can't actually really totally separate them if you think about it. I often say longing is what hope looks like on a bad day. Longing and hope go together hand in hand. Advent is not for the faint of heart. But what if acknowledging longing, what if acknowledging longing is the best place that we can be? What if being willing to just be honest about it, perhaps we can find purpose in the waiting and that can help us to wait well? So here's the question I invite you in with me today. What does it look like to wait well with hope? What does it look like to wait well with hope? The good news is we join a long line of people who have had to wait for things, who have longed in their life. In fact, we look back to the people who waited in the Old Testament. They were longing the Hebrew people for a Messiah. Right? And there was hundreds of years what felt like silence. And before that, they were hearing from these prophets, these messengers from God. Hundreds of years they spoke about Jesus' birth, who he was going to be, that he was going to be the Messiah, the king, the one everyone was waiting for. One of the most well-known is Isaiah. Right? He, he talked about Jesus 600 or 700 years before Jesus was born. Uh, for instance, Isaiah 7.14, we often quote this time of year. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And the best definition for Emmanuel is the with us God. The with us God. But here's the thing. The people Isaiah was writing to, they did not feel like God was with them. They didn't. They felt like God had abandoned them. As they looked back, they felt like God had left them. They were trying to be courageous. But they were full of fear because they were people who experienced being powerless. They were oppressed by this, these enemies that were very real, that were taking from them and were going to put them in exile, people who were oppressing them. Many of the people who heard Isaiah's words for the first time didn't know if they were going to have what they needed on a daily basis. And so here they struggled to have hope. And I think many of us can resonate with that, right? We maybe don't resonate with a physical enemy but I bet a lot of us know what it's like to feel powerless in our situation. Some of you feel that way right now. And so many of Isaiah's words were being written. They're pointing directly to Jesus. It's easy for us now to look back to see Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, this perfect king that they were waiting for. I want to read one more part of Isaiah. It's this beautiful poem in Isaiah 9 that we often read this time of year. I'll read a couple parts of it. And just imagine being these people who are feeling so much suffering. These people who feel abandoned by God. How good news, how good of news this would have sounded like. Isaiah 9 verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. For unto us, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Imagine how they must have felt. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Oh, they longed for peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal, the passion of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. But remember that at the time of Isaiah... When he was writing these words hundreds of years before Jesus was born, as people were listening to them read, they thought this was going to be probably about a human king we know from other writings. Like King David 2.0, like a little better. This is what people were imagining. He was going to come. He was going to defeat their enemies. 
So imagine how unexpected it would be that the Messiah, the king, would come into the world as a tiny baby. Totally unexpected. But here's the thing. That time of waiting was not wasted. It was a time when God was preparing them for what God was going to do through Jesus. The time was not wasted. So the first thing I want us to think about today is that Advent reminds us that waiting isn't a waste. It's preparation for what God is going to do. When it comes to this time and then also in our life. In that time of waiting for the people, that wasn't easy, was it? And as we begin to look at the people who have become the supporting characters of the Christmas story, it was hard for them too. They struggled a lot to figure out how to wait well with hope. Remember, Jesus is the main character, so the other people are the supporting characters of the Christmas story. There's two characters that are the very first characters mentioned, and it's not Mary and Joseph. It's another couple. It's Elizabeth and Zachariah. And we know they're relatives of Mary and Joseph. And we see their story in Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can pull it out. Now, you know um, those couples that kind of balance each other out with their personalities? You know what I'm talking about? Like there's like a lot going on and then they kind of balance each other out. My husband and I are one of those couples. And I think Elizabeth and Zachariah are one of those too. My husband likes to say, he can verify this, our relationship is like a mullet. He's the party in front and I'm the business in the back. (laughs) Wait, you're the party in the back. Party in the back, business in the front. See, this is why he's, I don't even know. Let me try again. You're the, I'm the business in the front, you're the party in the back. Okay, and then you can see here by this t-shirt, he, he's right. <laughs> he's correct. He's correct. And I like to think that both of our personalities are a lot, but they balance each other out. Just, can I get some nods from the people who know us? Like, okay, good. All right, great. So there's, there's a lot of couples like this, and you know them. There's the, the really optimistic, like, rose-colored glasses person, and you're like, good thing they've got that realist, borderline pessimist to kind of balance them out. You know what I'm talking about? And so I think that Elizabeth and, and uh, Zachariah are like this, okay? They are people that balance each other out. Now, through this angel, Zechariah is told they're going to have a child. But, of course, they are like throwback to the Old Testament stories where Abraham and Sarah, um, Jacob and Rachel, they're old enough that they believe they can't still conceive. And so here they're experiencing this waiting to be able to have a child. And that's a waiting that many of you in this room know what that's like. It's heartbreaking. It's just painstaking. And to make matters worse, Zachariah and Elizabeth are a prominent couple in society. So in their culture, Zach is one of the high priests, all right? So he's a big deal, and people know them, and that meant he had important duties to serve the community. And you know how people sometimes seem to think that they get to ask about people's childbearing situation or lack thereof without really knowing them all that well? That happens, just in case some of you know. Okay, Um, you know what I'm talking about. And I assume for Zachariah and Elizabeth, it was even worse because they had this kind of heightened role and people knew about them. And at the time, there was this belief, what did somebody do wrong that they were not blessed by God with a child? Terrible theology. But this was very prevalent. And here in this passage, we see that they were righteous in the Lord's sight. So what happened? What had gone wrong? The different priestly divisions had the different times when they would go into the temple and they would, it would be their turn to light the incense to honor God. And it was Zachariah's turn to go into the temple to light the incense to honor God. And the angel Gabriel, like the big guy, the Gabriel, he shows up to tell 
tells Zechariah this news. He explains he is going to have a son, and this is how he describes him in verse 16. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to their Lord, the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord, this son, in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the d- disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. But Zach is the pessimist in this relationship. And so he, long story short, he doesn't believe the angel. And he responds to him with skepticism. And the angel tells him, and this is the way it's, it says in scripture pretty much, look, I'm Gabriel, okay? Like what I say is what God says, and if God says it, then God's going to do it. That's what Gabriel basically says, Steph translation. And then he tells him, he says, look, because you didn't believe, you're not going to be able to speak until he's born. And it's pretty rare to have that experience where all of a sudden you can't speak like happened to Zechariah. But some of us know what it's like to feel like we've lost our voice, don't we? Disappointment will do that to you. Waiting or longing for something can cause you to feel like you've lost your voice or lost your passion or your motivation. And it can sometimes lead to losing your hope. And when you lose your hope, it's so tough. And I think Zechariah, who we know was a good man, says he was a faithful follower of God. He had lost his hope in what God could do. So perhaps if you feel like you're someone who's lost hope, you're not alone. Elizabeth, on the other hand, she rejoices as she becomes pregnant and she stands by her husband. She's the optimist. She's here for it. And she is positive. And when John is born, she insists that he should be named John, just like the angel Gabriel had said, to Zachariah, his name should be John. Now, this was not a family name. Again, you know how people are like, well, I think I should be able to weigh in on the name of the baby. And so here we know some relatives decided to do just that. They said, well, that's not a family name, Elizabeth. And Zach can't talk right now, so you need to do a different name. And she's like, no. And then Zachariah grabs this tablet and he writes, his name is John. And the minute he finishes writing that, boom, he can speak again. And scripture says that the first thing he does is praise God. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He begins to prophesy about John and about Jesus. Now listen for the echo of the prophet Isaiah that we just read earlier. As you read, I'm just going to read a part of this this prophecy that Zechariah sings out, this song. It's often called Zechariah's song. I'll just start in verse 67. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And then he says in verse 76, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet onto the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Did you catch that? The rising sun will come to us from heaven and shine on those who are living in darkness. Just echoing Isaiah 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, the light has dawned. Think about how Zach went from being someone who was so hopeless, that he didn't even believe what the angel Gabriel said, to being somebody who was the first person to proclaim that the Messiah was on his way. Talk about a contrast. There is hope that God will even use the most hopeless ones among us. 
Zechariah and Elizabeth had been waiting not only for hope that they would have a child, but they had also hoped along with the rest of their community for a Messiah. For they were waiting for God to do what God had said through the prophet Isaiah. And their experience shows what I have found often is very true in our lives. And that is that Advent reminds us, secondly, what, when what we wait for comes into our lives, it's often not how we expect. When what we're waiting for comes into our lives, it's often not how we expect. And, and so sometimes we miss it altogether when it's actually the thing we've been longing for. It comes in a different way. They did not expect to be the ones to give birth to the herald that would proclaim the way of the Lord. They did not expect that. Looking back, now we know that John had an important mission, didn't he? But he also lived a really strange life where even though this son had been given to Zechariah and Elizabeth, he spent so much of his time out in the wilderness away from his family. And he also had this tragic death by the hand of a tyrannical leader. And so you look at the story and you say, God gave that couple what their hearts desired, but also so much more than that. Yet, it wasn't a nice and tidy story that's tied up with a bow, right? You can't tie that story up with a bow. Some of you know exactly what that's like, don't you? You can resonate with that. John was not what Zachariah and Elizabeth were expecting, right? Jesus was not what Mary and Joseph were expecting. And then the Messiah, the light that was going to come to pierce the darkness, this king prophesied by Isaiah who was going to, to reign uh, years before Jesus was born. He, all these words, he was not expected to come into the world as a tiny baby in the beautiful yet painful and messy experience of childbirth. Unexpected. They would have hoped for a mighty warrior who was going to defeat their enemies like King David. They would have hoped and expected a political leader that would free them from the terrible, corrupt power of Rome. They didn't understand. They didn't expect what it meant that Jesus was going to be the Prince of Peace. They would have hoped for something different. And so Advent reminds us that when what we wait for comes into our life, it's often not how we expect Okay, so I want to stop right here. As somebody who celebrated Advent for many years of my life, I wonder if you've wondered something like I have. We are doing this countdown to Jesus' birth, we call it Christmas, of course, where we wait for the arrival or the coming, the Advent of baby Jesus. But we aren't waiting for baby Jesus to come anymore, right? Like that already happened. And so sometimes it's like, what are we waiting for now? Besides the presents and the Black Friday things we bought. It turns out the season of Advent in the church calendar isn't merely about the first coming of Jesus, but in a lot of ways is more deeply about the second coming of Jesus when he returns. In fact, scholars often talk about this history of the church, that there's three Advents or three arrivals that we are celebrating during this season. Okay, The first arrival or Advent is the coming of Jesus as a baby. The second arrival or Advent is the Spirit of God coming in our midst, all around us, where we can pay attention and watch and join in God's work in the world. And then the third advent is the second coming of Jesus to make all things new. And so when we celebrate advent, when we say we're celebrating advent, what we're doing is celebrating all three. And what that means is that we celebrate to remember the first arrival of Jesus. And we look back on all that that meant for us. And then we celebrate to watch for the second arrival of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus coming in our midst. And we celebrate to long for the day when there's this third advent, this third arrival, when Jesus will return. Longing for, right? What hope feels like on a bad day. We all want hope. 
but we don't want to experience the heartache of longing. And this is the tension, right? But hope and longing, they go hand in hand. You can try to separate them, but they just don't separate. And if we let Advent be only about the first coming of Jesus and not the second or the third when he comes again, then we can forget that of course we long for more. That's part of what it means to be a Jesus follower is we want to see God do more now and in the future forever. We want to see the kingdom come fully when Jesus returns and makes all the wrong things right. Because when that happens... There'll be no more crying, no more tears, no more suffering, no more oppression, and no more waiting. Because Jesus is going to make all things new. So it's actually good. Do you see that it's good that we long for more? Because it means that there is more that we believe that God can do now and forever. More that we are waiting for in our lives. Yet we are not where the people of God were at before the first arrival, right? That time of deep darkness before the light pierced the darkness. We're not back there. Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, conquering death, it means that in this life, we see the kingdom breaking in. We see joy. We see peace. We see provision and freedom. Jesus has, what we sometimes say, inaugurated and unlocked the kingdom. And so it's coming in our midst if we're paying attention to it. But we are people who live in between the first coming of Jesus and the second. Right? We're living in this time. Oftentimes, uh, scholars call it the already but not yet. The already but not yet reality of the kingdom of God who's, that's, that's coming, but it's not fully here. I just like to call it the messy middle. That's where we are. Right? Does it feel like the messy middle? All right, you're with me. God's kingdom is breaking in to our everyday lives. We do see it, but it's very clear it's not here yet all the way. Right? It's very clear. We live in that tension. And I don't know if that tension is more clear any other time than right now. All right? This is a season where we see that we live in the tension of the already breaking kingdom, but the not yet reality of its fully restoration here. Right? So, for instance, we have these merry family gatherings. Right? That are just stirring up conflicts that have spanned generations. Right? We have festivals and feasts while we know that there's people who are lonely and hungry all around us. We have gifts and spending sprees, and it's so much fun, but we are also riddled with debt and this obligation to give the same thing that they gave so you don't overgive, undergive, all that. That's not just our family, right? Okay. And then there's these songs of celebration and joy and bells, and it's beautiful, but people are full of hearts just weighed down by grief and despair. This is what I mean, that longing and hope are held in the balance. They're often indistinguishable from, indistinguishable from each other. And that's what I mean when I'm saying, like, we are people of the in-between. We're people in the messy middle. And so finally, Advent reminds us that we should never forget that we will always be waiting for more. Never forget that we will always be waiting for more. I'm not saying that there's not contentment that you can find in the Lord and your faith. That is something that we experience at times. But all we long for in this life ultimately points to the deeper longing that we have for Jesus to return and restore all things. Let me say that again. All that we long for in this life at the deepest core is ultimately pointing to a deeper longing that we have for Jesus to return and restore all things. Let me explain what I mean. Just think about like Elizabeth and Zachariah. Uh, they want to have a child. That's a wonderful gift. There's, there's no substitute for a family to have that type of relationship of a parent and a child. 
But the deepest longing that Zechariah and Elizabeth had was to be a part of what God was doing. And they were doing that even before they had a child, very much so. And the deepest longing that we all have is to be a part of a purposeful and meaningful family. And we get to experience the joys in this life of siblings and spouses and children and chosen family sometimes. And that's amazing. But what I'm saying to you is that it's actually pointing to a deeper longing that we all have to be in the family of God, this perfect family that's together completely healed with no tension or strife. And that is the only thing that's going to be true when Jesus returns and restores all things. The longings that we experience now are pointing to a deeper longing. Do you ever go into like an ice cream shop or like a gelato shop, even though it's winter because we're Minnesotans and we don't care? Right? Ice cream all year. And you go in and then you're thinking, how many, thank you. You're going and you're thinking, how many spoon, taster spoons will they let me have before they make me pick one? That might just be mostly me, but I'm kind of like at least five, right? Depends on how many there are. Anyway, it's a ratio. So you get a little spoon and it's a little taste of the bowl, the full bowl of ice cream or gelato that you might choose to get, right? It's just a little taste of what you're going to get a whole bowl of. And what we see in this life of the kingdom of God is just like a little taste of what we're going to get a whole bunch of in the future. And it's tough to just get the little spoon right now and not to get the whole bowl, right? But it's just a taste of what God's going to do. It's just a glimpse, right? Like these Advent candles that we celebrate during the year. They're beautiful, but they're just this little tiny light in this large room to remind us that it's just a glimpse of what God's doing now of love and joy and peace coming into our life. Just like these candles are a small light compared to this whole room, they're a glimpse of the future kingdom that will come. And so we celebrate hope, peace, joy, love. And you hear these themes in Isaiah, don't you, in Luke and Matthew? God's increased their joy. Of the greatness of his peace, there will be no end. And Jesus came and brought all of this. And so during Advent, we light these candles to celebrate that reality that Jesus brought all these gifts. But here's the reality. Life doesn't always feel like it's full of hope or peace or joy or love, does it? Maybe you have something in your life that steals your hope, tries to take your joy. Maybe you have something that disrupts your peace. I don't know what that is for each of you, but I bet there's something for everyone. One of the things for me in my life is that I struggle with a lot of chronic pain. And so, I, you know, you do all the things and the physical therapy and the doctors and the medicine and all the things. And you do the exercises even though they seem to make it worse, blah, blah, blah. The point is, is like you, you, you just know the word chronic means I might have a whole life where this pain is always there. And I think about how this has been, there's been some healing, and I praise God for that, but I know that there might never be a day for the rest of my life on this earth that I'm completely pain-free until I see Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, some days that's extremely discouraging. But other days, it pushes me towards hope because I long for Jesus to return. I long for Jesus to return, to restore all things and heal all things, including the pain that I sometimes feel so acutely. And that's the reality of longing that can push you to hope. With Jesus, healing is not now or never. It's now or future. That's the promise. When we trust in Jesus, we know that someday, even if it's after this life, there will be complete healing. Advent reminds us that we should never forget that we will always be waiting for more. 
And like I said earlier, as Jesus followers, we are people who have this season of waiting, of Advent, to remind us that we have lives of waiting, waiting for Jesus to return. So we are people of hope, but that means we have to acknowledge that we are people of longing. Praying that God's kingdom would come, that God's will would be done. Praying for God to do more than we could ask or imagine now and forever. And so I'm going to put these, these three Advents up here again. So this season, I want you to think about all three Advents, okay? As you celebrate, you're looking back to remember the arrival of Advent number one. You're watching around you now for arrival number two, Jesus in our midst. And we celebrate, even though it's hard, to long and anticipate arrival number three when Jesus returns. But I just want to acknowledge here at the end here, we are in this Christmas, we're in the messy middle, right? We are in the messy middle of Advent number two, and it's full of longing. And so if you feel that acutely, that's real. This season, you're going to celebrate with people, and there's going to be people that aren't going to be there with you because you lost them this last year. And there's people that aren't going to be there because of distance. But some of that distance is relational. There's going to be pain and suffering and illness that's going to disrupt the peace and the joy that it feels like you should have during this season. And here's the thing. Nearly all of us are going to face some disappointment over these next 30 days because there's no 30 days in the entire year where you're set up with more expectations that are bound to be disappointed. And so that's going to be real for all of us. And so this Advent, I just want to invite you to let the longing in. What if you were to let the longing in? Acknowledge it. Don't feel ashamed of it. Wonder about it. Be curious about what your soul might be trying to tell you. What might God want to say to you? Maybe wonder what longing is beneath the longing that points to the longing for Jesus to restore that. What longing is beneath the longing that points for what you long for, Jesus to restore now and someday once and for all? That's what longing can lead us to wonder. The temptation is going to be to push away longing, right? We know that. The temptation is going to be like, whoop, fix your face, sing joy to the world. That's what we're expected to do. I know that that temptation is strong. I've felt it myself. But what if God has something more for you in the depth of longing? And what if that thing is hope? Not just like hope that's wishful thinking, but hope that if the light can pierce the darkness and God can become a human, be born into this messy world, then that same God is working around us right now. And that that same power of that same God will return as Jesus brings the new heaven and the new earth when he comes again. Of course we long for more. Of course we long for more because it's what points us to the reality that we want to see the kingdom come fully when Jesus comes and makes the wrong things right. And I'm going to say it again. When there's going to be no more crying, no more tears, suffering, no more oppression, no more waiting because Jesus is going to make all things new. But here's the thing. It's going to take intentionality to pause and to let God lead you through the depth of longing and grief so that you can hold on to hope. It's going to take intentionality. And so as the worship team comes, I have two invitations for you, okay, to pause and to be intentional. The first is a space here in our church that's around this corner, actually right behind me, that we just finished creating called the Contemplation Room. It's just a, a room for quiet reflection. And it's got some guided activities if that's helpful for you. And it's going to be open every Sunday going forward, all day. And you can head over there. So at any point when you need space, maybe you're thinking, I cannot sing Joy to the World this year. You can go there. That space is for you. 
It's also true that some people don't worship only through song and joy and, and celebration. They often worship through silence and solitude. And so that's an opportunity for you. And there's also an art display by an artist named Scott Erickson called Honest Advent during this season that you can reflect on. We call it a Visio Divina that you can do. If there's any time during this week, during the week time, that you would like to come and use that space, reach out to our team and we'll help give you instructions to come in and use it. Here's the second invitation, and this might be a new one for some of you. It's a, it's a service that's often celebrated during Advent called Blue Christmas. Blue Christmas. And what it is is a, an Advent tradition to have a service on or near the longest night of the year. And the purpose is to create space for grief and loss and longing the way that so many of us acutely experience it, specifically during the holidays. And then there'll be a time of kind of guided music and reflection as well as a time of lament to express longing to Jesus. So maybe that's not something you feel like you need this year, but I wonder if there's somebody you could invite in your life. It's open to anybody. They don't have to be a part of our church, and it'll be Wednesday, December 20th. So as we head into this time of worship and communion, I just want to invite you to reflect on something together, okay? If we're going to look at this theme of hope today, we lit this candle, then what I want to invite you to think about is to remember looking back at the first arrival and the hope. Look around and watch for the hope coming in our midst and to look forward in the future hope when Jesus returns. And so today as we've lit this candle of hope, remember what Jesus has done coming to this earth as a baby, giving up his life on the cross, conquering death through his resurrection, giving us hope. And then watch for the signs that there is hope even in the midst of what seems hopeless. A light shines in the darkness. And long for a future hope when we won't have our joy or peace taken from us. And we won't have to wait anymore because we will be with Jesus and everything will be restored.